Good evening. It is certainly good to be back out in the Lord's house tonight and thankful for what we already felt tonight in the singing. Uh, he's here tonight. Uh, I do ask you to pray for me. I'm very nervous tonight and uh, I do appreciate my family that's come tonight to support me and some friends. And uh, If you come tonight to see me, you'll be disappointed. But if the Lord preached through me tonight, we may get something out of this. It, it's not about Andy Tate tonight. It's about the... It's about him. Uh, I do want to thank Brother Gary for sharing the pulpit with me. I do not take that lightly, brother. And uh, I appreciate for the opportunity to stand here in the pulpit tonight. Uh, uh, for of you, for you, those of you who don't know me, I'm, uh, I'm Andy Tate. I, I was raised uh, right here in this church, over here in the little church. And then here, and uh, since then I've went to Victory Baptist where Brother Scott Fields is. But, but uh, I do have a love for this church in my heart. And, uh, uh, Brother Iron done said about me, I appreciate Brother Iron what he's meant to me. I, I thought as we, we sung that song, Because He Lives, We Can Face Tomorrow. And, and uh, I, I began to think about that, how uh, the Lord allowed up me and him to sing that at our senior baccalaureate service for our senior class. And, you know, I, I thought that was something special that we finally did get to do something in front of our class that served the Lord, you know, and I thank yeah. the Lord for that tonight. And I thank the Lord for Brother Iron what he's meant to me down through the years. Uh, uh, we, we went to, of course, we was raised up about 10 yards apart and went to grade school and high school, yeah. uh, college together. We rode back and forth to college together at Northeast State and both got on to Eastman there and ended up with both on apprenticeship about the same time to Eastman. But, you know, the Lord, he puts people in our lives, and, yeah. and, and I'm thankful that he put Brother Aaron in my life. He's been like a brother to me all my life. Uh, I never had a, a true brother on earth here other than my Brothers and sisters in Christ, but Aaron's always been like a brother to me. I don't say that to lift Aaron up. I say it to lift him up tonight. Thank him for putting people like that in my life. But tonight, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 48. Jeremiah chapter 48. If you want to stand tonight in reverence to reading of God's Word. Jeremiah chapter 48. And we're going to start reading there about uh, verse number 11 and read down through 15. And it says, Moab had been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither had he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his sin is not changed. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send unto him wonders that shall cause him to wander, and shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. Moab shall be ashamed of Shemoth as the house of Bethel was ashamed. <coughs> and Moab shall be ashamed of Shemoth as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel. Their confidence, how say we, we are mighty and strong men for the war. Moab is spoiled and gone up out of their cities. And his chosen young men are gone down to the slaughter, saith the kings, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Our dear, kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for this opportunity to stand, Lord. We ask you, Lord, for this next few minutes, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to hide us behind the cross, Lord. 
We pray, Lord, tonight that they'd see you and not see me, Lord. We know tonight, Lord, there'd be no preaching done here tonight if you don't do it through me. We pray, Lord, you preach us tonight. We ask you, Lord, to give us liberty to preach. We ask you, Lord, to give us clarity of thought, Lord, and help us. And we pray, Lord, tonight that maybe somebody here tonight that's going through trials or tribulations or trouble, maybe they'll get some help. And we pray most of all tonight, Lord, if be one somebody here under the sound of our voice tonight that don't know you in the free pardon of sin, we pray tonight be the night that they come down this altar and accept you. We ask you, Lord, to have your will and way in this service. And we ask all these favors and blessings in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. Amen. I think I forgot to turn this thing on. You got me there. I'm not used to all this technology. You know where I preach at. Uh, but tonight here uh, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 48, the uh, if you read down through it, it's talking about a little country named Moab. And it, it, if you studied out Moab here, it, it says it's been at ease from its youth. And, and it, here at this time, it's not in any war, or not fighting any great fights, not going through anything, great tribulations. Uh, and it says it's been at ease from its youth and settled on its lees and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither had gone into captivity. Therefore, its taste, his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. And, and, and really here what is describing, uh, I, I'm going to get this out of the way to start with, is describing the process of making wine. But I, I'm going to stand before you tonight and tell you I do not condone any sort of alcoholic consumption for any, for any Christian. Uh, I, I don't care what denomination you are, it's wrong for a born-again child of God to be out sucking on a beer bottle or a wine bottle or a liquor bottle. I'll just tell you tonight, if you're one here and does that, you're looking for something in the, bottle that, the bottom of that bottle you'll never find. Right. I tell you, there's only the only peace you'll ever find is in Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, a strong drink, and is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So I just wanted to get that out of the way to start with. But, it's, but here it's talking about the process of making wine. And it, it said it was poured from vessel to vessel and said it settled on its leaves. And the leaves was the very trash and drunk and stuff in that wine that settled to the bottom. But it said that this country had settled on its leaves. And when they, they draped them grapes and they poured them bottles and it sat there. And all that stuff would set on the bottom, and that would be called your lees. And, and then they would take that, and after it set for a while, and pour it from one bottle to the next bottle or a vessel, and it'd have a better smell, it'd have a better taste, it'd be sweeter. You know, in our Christian life, that's what God does to us sometimes. He pours us from one vessel to the next vessel. It said here, it said this country, not being in captivity, you know, it not being in prison or anything, it said it hadn't went through nothing. But said it had not been poured from vessel to vessel. Uh, said its taste remained in it, and the scent had not changed. You know, uh, every once in a while, though, we get poured from vessel to vessel, and you know, and a lot of times the way we get poured from one vessel to the next vessel is when we go through trials and tribulations and and storms in our life. And you know, a lot of times as good Baptist people, we begin to look. And see people going through storms and different things, and we begin to think, boy, I wonder what they've done. I wonder what kind. I wonder what kind of sin they've been committing, you know. But just because we're going through a storm or a valley or a struggle in our life, that don't necessarily mean that that we're, we're living out in sin. You know, we're all sinners here tonight. I don't. I don't care from the pulpit to the back pew. Every one of us here is a sinner tonight. No one of us is better than the next. Uh, it says in Matthew 5:45 that you may be the children of your father. 
Father which is in heaven, for he hath made his son to rise on evil and on the good. And he said he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, we're, we're all going to go through trials and tribulations in our life, Brother Gary. And that's just part of life. And, you know, there's no guarantee. I, I've told him up at church before. When God saved me, he never guaranteed me I wasn't ever going to go through hard times. He never guaranteed me I wasn't going to go through a storm. He did tell me he'd never leave me. he never forsake me, Brother Gary. He, he said, I'll go with you all the way to the end. He said, I'll be with you, brother. You know, <clears throat> Hebrews 13 and 5, it says, Let your, your conversations be without covenants and be content with such things as you have. For he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <clears throat> you know, remember, when you start into these storms, God, he ain't going to leave you stranded. You know, you, you think about the disciples there on the ship. They was going through a storm, but in the fourth watch of the night, here he come. You know, j just when they thought it was all over, here he come, you know. Tonight, when you're, if you're in a storm tonight, just, just, just hang on, God. He ain't going to leave you there. I begin to think today, just today, there's a little church that I've been preaching at for about two years. And, and, and the people there, that they wanted to run us off at one time for some of the things we stood on. And, and I begin to think about that, you know, and I done made my mind up when I went up there to preach this morning. I was going to tell them, I ain't coming back no more. I'm done with you. You know, and they always, they got where you couldn't preach. It was all bound up. And, and I prayed yesterday, and I prayed this morning. I said, Lord, I, I said, give us liberty. Let us preach. And we got up our this morning. There's the sweetest spirit you'd ever had. Sweetest spirit. I got up, and the Sunday school preacher about preached this morning. I got up, and it just comes so easy. You know, and people, they'd always sit there like a knot on the log and give the invitation. There's a couple of them come to Louder and got some help this morning. You know, just about the time I was getting ready to give up, God come through. Just about the time. You know, but we're going to get poured from vessel to vessel in our life. It said here, it said Moab hadn't been poured from vessel to vessel, but in verse 12 it goes on to say, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send to him wonders that shall cause him to wonder, and shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. He's saying, it's coming. It's coming. If you're here tonight and you're saved, I don't say this to discourage you. You're going to go through battles. You're going to go through storms in your life. Don't get discouraged. Look unto him. Amen. Don't get discouraged. It's coming. You know, I, I, I thought about, you know, we said just because you was going through a storm didn't mean you was living out in sin, and it don't. But I tell you, you could be going through a storm because you are living out in sin. It works both ways. Think about Jonah. The Lord told him to go down to Nineveh to preach. He said, uh-uh, I ain't going. I'm going to Tarshish. We know the story of Jonah. Got, they throwed him off a boat and got swallowed up by the whale and got stuck in the whale's belly for three days and three nights. And, you know, it can be. Hebrews chapter 12 says, If you endure chastisement, God deals with you as sons for what the son is in whom the father chasteneth not. You know, if you're here tonight and you're saved and you are living out in sin, you're bought with a price. That's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that Brother Earl done talked about tonight. Well, we're bought with a price. And I tell you what, he'll, he'll chastise you if you're his tonight. He will. And it ain't always, it ain't always pretty. Like I said, just because you're going through a storm may not mean you're living in sin, but because you're going through a storm may, you know, that's between you and God. That's something you and God have to settle. You know, I begin to think, you know, how this many people went through storms and, 
It's just about time I thought it was all over how God come walking on the sea. How God come through. Yeah. I thought about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Yeah. They wouldn't bow there to the king's God. He said, stoke that furnace up and throw them in. He said, look there. He said, I thought you threw three in there, but I see four. Yeah. He said, one of them like a son of God. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, he'll go through the fire with us tonight. Huh? He'll go through the fire with us tonight. I begin to think of my own life. I'm going to preach my testimony here for a little while, if that be all right. I begin to think about my life. And first of all, I'm going to say I'm nowhere near perfect. Or nor my parents are. But God seemed fit that I was born into a Christian family. He seemed fit that I had a mom and daddy that brought me to church. His church right here is all I ever knew for the first 30 some years of my life. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival meeting, and anything in between. That's all we knew. I begin to think as, as I got older, a little boy, about 10 years old, actually in four days, and I make it. I got saved in 1992, so I make 30 years. The 26th this month. But I stood over here in this little church and many a night. Lord pouring on my heart's truth. Tell me I need to be saved. I can remember sitting, we sat about three or four pews back, about there where John and Kim was. I sat there. I can remember time after time I'd stick my foot out in the aisle. Wanting to go. The devil say, wait till another time. Wait till the night when there's many people here. Wait till after church and go talk to the preacher. I done that months on end. Mom and dad didn't know it, but I cried myself to sleep every night for months. I knew if I didn't wake up the next morning, I'd be ever separated from my family, from the holy God, and I'd wake up in hell. I knew that. You know, there's one Sunday night, Brother Gary. I twisted and turned in bed and twisted and tossed and turned. I finally said something's got to give. I got up that night and I went to Mom and Dad's bedroom. I said, Dad, I said, I need to be saved. You know, I believe at that instant, I believe when I acknowledged with my mouth that I need to be saved, I believe he saved me right then. You know, that's when I felt that burden lifted off of me. Of course, Dad got the Bible down to show me the way. And he's been faithful to me. I ain't always been what I would have been. He's always been faithful to me. He's never lied to me. He's never let me down. I went on in years. I can remember as a teenage boy over here in the little big church. I can remember Brother Randall Stapleton preached a message one night. Who's going to pick up the man? And that was the very night the Lord picked my heart to preach the first time. As a teenage boy, I run from him and run from him for years and years and years and years. You say, you can't get by with it that long, Brother Andy. I did. I did. I know with them shouted out that night, I sat over. I can remember I left there that night feeling like I was under conviction again, about sick at my stomach. I can remember that night me and my dad was getting firewood in the basement, and I come just to hire telling Dad that I thought the Lord was calling me to preach, but I did devil talk me out of it. I went years like that. You know, I went on, got up in high school, and I began to pray, Lord, 
what would you have me do with my life? Begin to pray about what kind of education he'd have me get. I went through college and graduated from there at Northeast State. Begin to pray for a job. Say, Lord, you know, I, I want a job. I think I told this up at church last last week, and I never was really ambitious. I always looked up to my dad. He had a job over here as a mechanic at Eastman. Made a good living and raised a family. That's all I ever wanted to do. All I ever wanted to be able to do was just make a good living, raise a family, live right here in the community I always lived in. God, he blessed me with that. Give me my very heart's desire. And I begin to be in want for a wife, Brother Gary. I pray and ask God. I, I said, send me a wife. I want to be proud of her. I want to support me. I want to stick with me. I want to stand by me. I want to go through thick and thin. He provided me with her. March the 6th, 2004, we was married right here, right where I'm standing tonight. God, he's able to answer every prayer. You know, when we went on, we was married for a few years, and we began to want some kids. We began to pray. You know, prayed for 13 years. Nothing ever happened. You know, the Bible says in James 5 and 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I still believe in prayer. I still believe prayer works. I can remember in 2015, I was deer hunting that year. I usually take about two weeks off, and probably back then I took three. And I, I spent the biggest part of my time in the tree stand, uh, reading the Bible, praying to God. You know, I said, Lord, I said, you, I said, you know, our heart's desire. I said, you know, my wife's desire. If y'all ever knew my mother or my wife and seen her around these kids, you'd seen what a natural motherly instinct she had. I said, Lord, you know what her heart's desire is. If you see fit, bless us with a kid. You know, I got serious with God and began to pray. And that was in November, December 18th of 2015. Amanda woke me up at 4.45, I think it was, 15 minutes before I was supposed to get up. She says, we got to talk. And I said, what in the world is so important that it's got to be? Take my last 15 minutes of sleep. And she stuck a pregnancy test in my face. It was positive. Lord, it answered our prayer. She was expecting. Life was great. We was up on the mountaintop on a hide never been on. No, I can remember we found out. I don't think we'd told anybody. Yet, there's one Wednesday night there at church. Pastor gave an altar call. Asked if he may want to pray. I told Amanda, I, I said, let's go pray for a little bit. We went and we laid on that altar and prayed. I said, Lord, I said, I want you to take this young and use it for your own, for your glory. Didn't realize what I asked for when, when I asked that. I said, Lord, I said, if this kid's going to turn out and cause us a lot of trouble, 
never come to know you as Savior. I just assume for the kid never be born. But I pray that you'd use it for your honor and glory. If it's a boy, I pray you make him the next great evangelist that ever walked the face of this earth. I pray, Lord, you'd use it, whether it be a boy or a girl. And I can remember, like I said, we was on the highest of highs. I don't know, I used to have a little Toyota truck, and it seemed like the Lord talked to me in that thing all the time. I've been studying on the children of Israel, how they come to that Red Sea. You know, it's all happened. They come to that Red Sea, and then the army, Pharaoh's Egyptian army was closing in on them. They said, well, why'd you bring us out here? We've been better off to die in Egypt. You know, I was thinking about that, how they went from highest to highest, lowest to lowest. Lord, he spoke to me. He said, what would you do if that happened to your baby? Scared me to death. I thought, well, I'd love you anyways, Lord. You got to keep in mind, the Lord was dealing with me to preach this whole time. <clears throat> like I said, uh, well, everything was going good. We was the happiest we'd ever been. The Lord had answered our prayers. We went to see, went to the day we was going to find out the gender of the baby. And the technician there was doing the ultrasound. She just kept looking and looking. Had a worried look on her face. Said everything all right? She said, I don't know yet. You know, that quick our life changed forever. Just that quick. Our life changed forever. But Lord, he was still faithful. We went on. They took us to sent us to high risk. As we went to high risk. First time they told us that they told us what she had. They called it osteogenesis imperfecta. They did tell us that day it was a little girl. They said her, her limbs weren't measuring right. They sent us that high risk doctor. But I remember that Wednesday night. That was on, I think, a Tuesday. Went to, we, we, we didn't go to work on Wednesday. We went to church that Wednesday night. I told my part church, I walked in the church that night, the lowest I'd ever been in my life. Lowest I'd ever been in my life. Come in, their church family, they got us on the altar. Gathered around us and got down and prayed with us. Shared that burden with us. I left there that night feeling like a new man. Felt uplifted. You know, the Lord instructed us to share each other's burdens. The Lord shares, or instructs us to share each another's burdens. We went to high risk that next day. Come and told us that she had that osteogenesis imperfecta. Told us that she never would make it to turn. We got poured to another vessel that day, Brother Gary. And, you know, I think I called and told Dad when we left there. What they told us, but I told Dad, I said, there's a peace come over me that I never had. You know, the Lord can give us peace in time of troubles. The Lord can give us peace in time of trouble. Uh, thought about, 
All right, first message, Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on to thine own understanding. We had to live by that verse for a while. Uh, we didn't understand what was going on. And when we're going through these trials and tribulations, we need to just uh, uh, lean on the fact that God knows what he's doing. God's will is perfect. He's never messed up. I've told people before, I said I would have sold everything I own and started over from scratch if it made Aubrey be all right. But that would have messed things up. That wasn't in God's will. <coughs> but it went on from there. It started getting serious. We went back to high risk again. That doctor come in. He said, now you're expecting. He said, even though you're going to lose this, and it'll make it easy, easier for you to get pregnant again. He said, we just need to go ahead and get rid of this one. He said, we just need to go ahead and get rid of this one. Start over. The man told him, he said, I ain't. He said, no, he said, I ain't doing that. We, I mean, that's murder. I, I don't care. I don't care how you feel about abortion murder. Uh I'll stand on that. The word stand, or stand on the word, and stand on that all night long. Uh, abortion is murder. And uh, he said, "Well, I don't need to see y'all no more." So we we left, and you know, went on. A guy I worked with his wife worked there in the doctor's office where she went. He knew the doctor. And he informed me he was atheist. Every time we'd have to go back to, we had to go back every two weeks. That went on for about two months, two and a half months, I guess. But that doctor, he'd always try to get a man to her. He, he always tried to give her some kind of nerve pill or something like that, to, you know, so to help deal with this. I told him one day, I said, Doc, I said, we got people praying for us. He looked at me with this disgusted look on his face. He said, just exactly what are you praying for? Or what are they praying for? I said, well, I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, if the Lord wants to touch that baby, he can. If it's his will, he can touch it. But I said, if not, I said, if people are praying, he gives us peace and comfort. I said, he's been faithful. He's done that. I can't imagine going through something like that without the Lord on your side. I can't imagine going through something without God on your side, without having him lean on, him to call on, for him to comfort you. I just I, I guess that's how people get strung out on dope and alcohol. Is it doing? And it hadn't been for the Lord, I'd done whatever it took to numb the pain. But the Lord, He was faithful. He took care of us. He uplifted us, comforted us, and it went on. And it only could come to the point. It didn't only become a thing for the baby. It began to become hazardous to Amanda's health. And I remember it was one Sunday night, she was having some complications, and we didn't go to work. I guess a lot of people don't ever realize this, but, you know, uh, we all know how a mother's love is and how a mother worries about the baby and this and that. A lot of times you need to think about the dad. Not only did I have to worry about the baby, but I had to worry about her too. A real mother don't worry about herself. She worries about the baby. The dad, he has to worry double time. But, you know, and I just told Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I've had about all I can take. 
said I went about as far as I could go. He said, you know what you need to do? He said, you need an answer call to preach. I remember I, I talked to my dad about it. Went and talked to my pastor about it. And I finally surrendered to call to preach there in April 2015. And uh, went on. Six years ago tonight, we were sitting in the hospital. Today was Aubrey's birthday. We lost her six years ago today. You know, you never know what it's like losing a kid to go through it. You never know what it's like to carry your own kid's casket to the grave. Let me tell you, Lord's faithful. He'll comfort you doing that. Not a doubt in my mind. I know, I'm proof. But we got poured from one vessel that day to another vessel. We had just a little sweeter testimony that day than we had the day before. The Lord seen us through that. And went on. We kept on praying. We, we still wanted a kid. We went and talked to the adoption agency there that fall. And we decided pretty quick that we were healed enough for that. Went on for a few years. I finally told a man, and I said, I said, we ain't getting no younger. Uh, I said, uh, you know, if we're going to try to go through this adoption agency, I said, we probably need to get back with them. So we made an appointment back with them and went to see them again. The lady we originally talked to, she was gone. They had a new woman there, and uh, I knew more about the process from the first time we'd been there than the woman that we was talking to this time did. They told us there's a waiting list to the waiting list. And, of course, that broke our hearts. We decided that, you know, it just, just wasn't going to work out. I remember that day we got back to the truck. Man, she said, I wish somebody just called me. Tell me they want to give me their bait. I said, well, if that's what you want to do, so that's what we'll pray for. You think, boy, that's far-fetched. Lord, he's able. Amen, Lord, he's able. I can remember. I've laid on the altar up there many times at altar prayer. Church. Say, Lord, you know our heart's desire. Be your will to bless us with a kid. I ask you to do it. Just let somebody give us one. June, July the 20th. No. July the 18th, 2020. We was out on the lake with my brother-in-law and my sister back there. Anybody that knows me knows that's highly out of my realm of comfort. Uh, but man, they got a call. I was out there on the boat with them. There was a girl expecting. Said she was in trouble with the law. She's going to have to go to jail. She's going to have that baby. You want to know if we want it? Tell me, little God ain't able. Huh? Tell me. He ain't able. That was on Saturday. Amanda told me, she said, well, I'll tell you what. She said, I'll take it. It ain't going to be one of these deals where I take it for a month or two or a year or two. She said, if I take it, I'm taking it. I ain't going to put it back in the mess it be in. 
They said, well, since the month till the baby's due, said, we got a lot of time to talk about stuff. That was Saturday evening. Didn't think or talk a whole lot about it after we got home that night. Sunday come around, we went to church. That's, of course, that was during COVID. Amanda was working from home that Monday. She was praying. She said, Lord, she said, I want this to be your will about this baby. She said, I don't want to be your want. Or I don't want to be my want. She said, I want to be your will. She said, no sooner. She got done praying that prayer. She got a text message. There's a picture of her little girl back here. Come a month early. That was on Monday. All we found out was the baby was all right and the mommy was all right. That's all we heard all evening. Tuesday rolled around. I called the man about dinner time. I said, you heard anything? He said, no, I ain't heard nothing. He said, they must have changed their mind. You know, this whole time we was trying to not get our hopes up. I long about 2.45. That evening, the man that called me in a panic. He said they called and said that they had talked all day. He said they can't take care of the baby. They won't give it to us. They said we got to come get it tomorrow. And uh, of course, we didn't have nothing. I mean, baby wise, I mean, nothing. So, and the parents didn't understand that there was legal issues and stuff. We was able to get in and see a lawyer the next day and sign papers and took them over to the parent. And uh, parents and they signed we got to meet Kaylee for the first time our little girl back there got to hold her God's able I don't care what kind of storm you're going through tonight God's able but they told us to sign them papers they told us to take them back to the lawyer told us to go home and get us to change the clothes and come back they'd have us a room set up we did got back over our Went down to the room right where the baby was at. The parent, they cut the leg band off Kaylee, off of Mama. Put a new one on Kaylee and put one on Amanda. I asked Mom and Dad, I said, y'all like to have prayer? And they said, yeah, I got down and prayed with them. They left. She's been with us ever since. God, he's faithful. But they kept keeping us there. They finally come and told us that. She did have drugs in her system, uh, methamphetamines, and the nurses, they come through. I think we ended up, we stayed Wednesday night, Thursday night. Finally got to go home about 9 o'clock Friday with her. But uh, the nurses, uh, they come through, and I said, usually you can look at them little babies on drugs like that and tell, tell that they're on drugs. I said, she's perfect. I said, she's not, she's not showing the first sign. DT, and they score them like every three hours. I think she scored one point one time because her body temperature was low. They, they, they done. I think the day she was born, they took five to Nice Wonger's Hospital, on to going through DT. And the mother admitted to doing meth like three days beforehand, and she never had the first DT. Them nurses and them doctors, they say, I don't understand it. I said, I do. I said, I do. I, I, I said, don't let, don't be surprised. I said, God worked this out a long time ago. I said, 
If you just knew our story, and I go back to my life, and I think about the night that I laid on Aubrey, and prayed that God use Aubrey in a mighty way. Didn't know what I prayed for at the time, Brother Aaron. But you know, he's been faithful, and he's done that. That's not what we hoped for, but he has used her in a mighty way. I've shared this, the, the testimony of what's happened to us with her. In the meantime, we've lost people at work, different places. But God, he's still using her today. You know, God, he's still able. You know, I thought uh, young people, you know, there's going to come a time that you go through trials and tribulations in your life. Uh, none of us is exempt from it. I don't say say this to discourage you, but but when you do, remember this message. Put this message back in your drawer. But one of these days, it's going to be your phone that rings. One of these days, it's going to be your house with the wreath hanging on the door. I thought, you know, one phone call can change your life forever. One of these days... You're going to be the one to get the bad report. You're going to get the phone call. But God, he's able. As we go through tribulations and trials, we just got to remember, he said he'd never leave us and he'd never forsake us. And just remember, when he does these things, he's just pouring you from one vessel to the next. And every time he pours you from one vessel to the next vessel, you got just a little sweeter testimony. You know, a little sweeter testimony. That would be our desire as a Christian, to have the sweetest testimony we could have. Lord Jesus Christ, I didn't tell you all this tonight to play on your emotions. This is what the Lord's laid on my heart. I thought today being Aubrey's birthday would be a fitting day to preach this. You know, friend, if you're here tonight and you're lost, you don't have Lord to comfort you if you go through stuff like this. I'm telling you, I can't imagine the pain I'd went through if I hadn't had the Lord to lean on. But I tell you what, greater than that, lost friend, the pain you'll endure if you leave here lost. If you leave this old world lost without the blood of Jesus applied to your life, you'll spend eternity in hell. So now if you're here and you're lost, don't put him off. Come down this old-fashioned altar and accept him. Saved friend tonight, I don't know what you're going through. This one of you here tonight may be going through the awful storm you ever went through. Just remember God's able. Bring it to him and lay it down here on the altar. You don't have to go through it alone. He'll see you through it. But Brother Gary, that's what the Lord's laid on my heart. I'll turn it back over to you.